Hello and welcome to the Animation Club podcast. This is a Q&A featuring Merlin Crossingham. Please note that these Q&As were recorded across 2020 and 2021 during the COVID-19 pandemic. We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. Goodbye for now. Hello Animation Club. Welcome to another live Q&A. Today we have Merlin Crossingham. Uh, He's the creative director at Ardman. And co-hosting with me today, we have Jamie from the Animation Club, um, separated by a, a, a safety wall. <laughs> that prevents COVID. Um, so, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, I'll let uh, Merlin introduce himself, and then we'll start asking some questions. Mm, well, hi. Thanks, Jamie and Sam. Um, uh, hello, everybody. Uh, uh, yeah, so I, I am creative director of Wallace & Gromit, but in particular at Ardman. And um, I'm also the voice of Morph and Chaz. Um, I'm, a- I'm actually, while I'm talking to you, I'm, I decided to sculpt a Morph while I chat. It's something I like to do. Um, uh, I, I started at Ardman. I've been working at Ardman for nearly 26 years. I started as a runner. And a runner does all the odd jobs, makes tea, sweeps the floor. Um, and then I became an animator I worked on Chicken Run, Wallace and Gromit, Curse of the Were-Rabbit, Creature Comforts, that kind of thing as an animator. And then I got the opportunity to start directing and I directed for many years. And then I became sort of a more senior creative sort of overseeing Wallace and Gromit stuff. And I've been doing that for about 10 years. And doing that, I've managed to be part of things like, uh, oh, we've made a Wallace and Gromit roller coaster at Blackpool Pleasure Beach. Um, we've done stamps for the Royal Mail. We've had a 50p coin. We've made hot air balloons. We've made a prom, a live music show that was at the proms, as well as lots of commercials and short films and, of course, all the other wonderful Wallace and Gromit stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoy what I do. And, and I'm kind of ready and intrigued to know what you want to know from me so no questions are too silly please dive in with anything you've got and um take it away jamie i guess okay yeah after you jamie i think you might have answered the first question but if you want to move on to the the next one so how long did you join ardman well yeah i i joined ardman i was still a student um i was studying film in uh, newport in south wales and um, through some coincidences and a little bit of luck, I, I got a job as a runner, like I said, and, and, mm. and that was in 1995. And I was just absolutely uh, amazed to be able to be a part of the studio. I, I, I didn't even think I or know that I wanted to work there at the time, um, but it was certainly very, very interesting. And um, even though I was making the tea and sweeping the floors and doing all the jobs nobody else wanted to do, I was having a great time. It is nice to be part of something uh, at any level, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, you know, I was a student. I was, I was interested in all. Of, I was an animation student studying film, and I, I, I hadn't set my heart at that point on being a, sort of working in stop motion. Computer animation didn't exist when I started doing animation, so it was either drawn two D, or as we called it back then, three D which was referred to stop motion. But as things changed, people now, when you say 3D, they mean computer animation. And they'll refer to model animation or stop motion as stop motion or or, or such like. That just shows how 
you know, new technologies come along and the way you talk about things changes a little bit over time. It's changed dramatically in such a short space of time, really. As you say, when you started out, there was no uh, computer animation. And yeah. in, in the time, in a short time frame, it's gone from, it's gone massive with things like Pixar and, and games and things developing and stuff like that. That's right. It's, and even, even now with Wallace and Gromit, we've just been doing a project called the big fix up which yeah. is based in a in a in a mobile phone mm. um, and it's an augmented reality and in that the animation is being rendered in real time in the palm of your hand yeah. and putting it into the real world and and that it's kind of normal now but even five years ago that was impossible because yeah. technology would didn't allow it so things just move so fast mm. but the kind of the basic ideas and the how you animate stays the same regardless of yeah. the technology, which I, I find quite interesting. I really like that uh, stop motion is still around as an art form for animation. So things like Disney, where they've gone from doing 2D animation and just gone pretty much all uh, 3D animation, it's nice that stop motion is still very much stuck in as a, mm. as a way of doing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, have you got another question there? Uh, yeah. How long did the films take to animate? How long do they take? Mm -hmm. Well, it, it really depends on, on the film, actually. Um, if you're talking about our big feature films, the ones that go into the cinema and they're sort of an hour to an hour and ten minutes long, they take about six years to make. And And I don't mean the actual animation. That's sort of having the idea writing it um and once you've written the script then doing all the design and the pre-production the preparation that goes into getting in the studio actual filming is probably about a year maybe a bit more and then you do all the sort of the polishing and the, the sound and the post-production making doing any of your visual effects and things like that so the whole process is many years but the actual hands-on animation bit is probably one year uh, for, for a big feature film and then something shorter like a morph episode we'll make a whole morph episode say a five minute morph episode we have the idea we prepare it and we shoot it and it's probably we do all that in, in a well, couple of months two months three months so it's really fast turnaround for something like morph yeah. but it's still, it's still quite a for, for someone that's been animating um in the animation club and stuff uh, i imagine that two months is still quite a uh, lengthy Yes, it, it is. It's still like a long, long time. time for a five-minute thing, isn't it? It is a long time, and and you know, we have all the toys. We have a studio with, yeah. and and we have lots of professionals who it's their whole, you know, their, it's their job to do it as efficiently and as quickly as possible. And it still takes us two months to, you know, every day, you go to work, you you animate all day, and and it still takes you two months. So there's no two ways around it. Animation does take a, a long time. Um, we've got a question in the comments, and then we'll carry on with some more of your questions, Jamie. So a question from Nikki is, uh, if there was a new Wallace and Gromit short, would you love to co-direct it with Nick Park? Oh, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah that would be great. Um, I'm not saying if there is or there isn't, just watch watch the Ardman space. Uh, we're mm. always thinking about Wallace and Gromity stuff. And, but yeah, it'd be lovely. It'd be lovely to work very closely with Nick. It, I, I can't imagine how, I mean, uh, without trying to find anything out I, I can't imagine how they continue with wallace with the passing of peter sellis because well, you know, actually yeah no that's um i can talk about that 
Um, yeah. for, for a long time, we had um, Peter had an understudy. Oh, okay. So since Were Rabbit, um, we we had an understudy called Ben Whitehead. Ben Whitehead, um, and he did things like the Wallace's voice in the PlayStation game called Operation Zoo. And the one that followed that. And then there was a a series of computer games made by a company called Telltale. I think there was three Mm. iterations of that. And and a Wallace-voiced satellite navigation system that you could put in your car. But before phones, when you had a a box in your car, (laughs) we did that. And Ben did all of those. Oh, fantastic. Um, And then when Peter got too elderly to work, and then eventually when he passed away, um, Ben took on the reins. And he was... He's done Wallace's voice since 2000, permanent, like solidly since 2011, I think, or 2012. So actually all the things we've done with Wallace and Gromit since have, oh. have had Ben Whitehead doing the voice. Well, that's um, really good because I've not noticed the difference. Yeah, so so Ben's, it's quite Ben's, nice. Ben's really good at it, yeah. yeah. Have you got another question there, uh, Jamie? Yeah. Did you ever expect it to be this famous? Ah, well, I actually joined Aardman when Wallace and Gromit was already, uh, when sorry, when Wallace and Gromit were already very famous. So um, I didn't actually invent Wallace and Gromit. Um, uh, Nick Park invented Wallace and Gromit. I think he always dreamt that a character that he created would be become famous, but I don't think he ever expected it to be Wallace and Gromit necessarily. Mm. And Wallace and Gromit, were he, he created them as a student at at the National School of Film and Television uh, in the 1980s. And yeah, I think it, it surprised him as much as everybody else how Wallace and Gromit caught the imagination of the of their audience. And, you know, it wasn't an overnight success. It, it built mm. gradually. And um, I suppose the thing that really put them on the map was getting when Nick got an Oscar nomination, an Academy mm. Award nomination for Wallace and Gromit, A Grand Day Out, but also his short film, Creature Comforts. So that was quite quite a while in to his animation career but then all of a sudden that kind of made him into an animation superstar do you mind if i ask a question jamie yeah um what i'm sorry if it's on your sheet i can't remember now sorry um what's your what's the favorite project that you've worked on and been part of well i, I suppose there's a couple for a couple of different reasons mm. My, um i've got a soft spot for morph because that was the first um, character that I ever worked on, I was paid to animate as a professional. So it's sort of a, quite a, a, a big mark in my animation career. Um, and and now having become the voice of Morph and directed the last couple of series of Morph, you know, he's quite close to my heart as a character. I love Wallace and Gromit, uh, and Gromit in particular, but also Chicken Run, just because it was the studio's first ever feature film very exciting and it was all new and and um a huge project and there was just something about it that was really special so it's very hard to pick a favorite amongst them all so i think i have to choose all three if that's all right with you yeah no that's all right <laughs> no you must only have one uh, no, <laughs> no that's okay um I'll, I'll let you ask the next question jamie how many storyboards would it take to make a half hour episode oh my goodness well <laughs> The ones that we actually end up using, it's in the tens of thousands, and it's different for every project. But in order to get to that final set of storyboards that actually make the film, we will have done four, five, six times that many Mm. to get there. So 
how many storyboards it may take to make a film? Lots and lots and lots. I mean, it, it, it can be in the hundreds of thousands because you just, it's where we make our mistakes. It, it's a really good place to um, try things out. And, and because animation takes such a long time, the storyboard is a really useful tool to experiment. So our story artists will rework scenes over and over or a joke or the, how you play, how, how we choose to shoot a scene over and over until you know we, we get it right with the editor. Um, so there's, there's no sort of definitive answer to how many storyboards we use. It's just an absolute heap of them. <laughs> Uh, we got some more questions in the comments. So Wilfred, um, I'm assuming it's Wilfred, ask, uh, how has the pandemic affected you and your work? Ah, well, to begin with, it hit us quite hard. Uh, we had to. We were in the middle of shooting Morph, and and also we had some uh, a production called Robin Robin, which you might have seen on some mm. of our social media channels has just been announced. We had to, like the rest of the country, we had to stop what we were doing and self-isolate and, and stay at home. And then because in the studio you cannot work from home, we looked to how we could get our animation teams back into the studio. Those who could work at home, who were more office-based, are still working from home. Um, what it meant was that we needed about three times more space um, around each shooting unit than we would have done in a non-COVID environment. So Morph went from using one studio to using three studios um, at, at our one of our shooting locations. And um, where we were shooting Robin Robin, we were also due to be shooting a Shaun the Sheep half hour special alongside of it. And it meant that the Shaun the Sheep special had to wait until Robin Robin had finished because we just didn't have the space to do them both within the, um, the parameters of, of a safer sort of COVID working environment. So it wasn't a massive problem. We, we did find ways around it and it just meant more space because we had social distance. And and like we had to postpone one production. Um, and once once the, the animation crews got used to it, it just became an, a, a normal way of life. You know, everybody gets used to waiting a moment people to do their job and then someone can step away and the other person can step up and do what they want to do so it sort of turns into a little dance everybody's moving around each other it's a bit like you know when we had to go to the supermarkets and only a certain number of people were allowed in the supermarkets it, it's a similar kind of thing as that i can imagine a one-way system around a animation yeah we had that we had one-way systems around the studios yeah yes, all that kind of stuff yeah so we've got another question in the comments we've got uh nikki again asking can you go into how you do the voices for Morph? And they're saying, is it true that you speak the lines the characters say, even though they don't speak any language? Um, so, uh, it's, um, which way around should I do it? I'll answer the first, the, the second part yeah. first. No, we don't really say any words in particular. But what, what I do is I perform it in a way that you understand what Morph means. Mm. Um, and the way we do that is that Unusually with Morph, and there's a reason for why we do this, which I'll explain, is we, we do the animation first, and then we record the sound to the animation. Normally, the way we do our voices is we record the voices first, and then we animate to the voices, which means that when Wallace speaks, for example, we know exactly what sound he's making on what frame, and we can make the 
the lip sync work really accurately and the performance work really accurately with the voice performance. The reason we don't do that with Morph is that when Morph was first animated in the 1970s, the technology just simply wasn't there. Also, Morph was created for a, for a television show called Vision On, which was um, a show specifically for children and young people who had limited or no hearing. So Morph actually didn't need to speak because his audience didn't necessarily hear anything in the first place, which is why he's quite physical, which is why he performs with his whole body. So he tries to communicate. So the way we, the way we make his sound is we actually play the animation at half speed. And while the animation is playing at half speed, we record the voice. And for Morph, if I did it, it would sound something like, if I was to say something like, hello, Chaz, it would be, that's how, that's how it would sound when I recorded it. And then when you record, when it goes full speed, it's going, and the reason for doing that is it's actually impossible to talk that fast. Yeah. Um, and and so it's very much if you if you ever hear as as a as a hearing person when I hear someone who has never had full hearing they they speak with with a kind of a cutoff in their enunciation so their their pronunciation is limited to the amount of hearing that they can interpret and really that's that's sort of where morph is aimed at is it's a it's a an expressive speech but it's not an articulate speech and, and I think it's wonderful because it's you know it, you understand what he, he means and um, it, it goes to show that you don't need to have very crisp speech in order to communicate strongly that's very interesting I've not thought about that at all with the yeah. oh uh, Mickey says thank you for answering yeah no worries um, have we got any more questions on your sheet uh, Jamie yeah what other models are the characters made out of? Ah, well, so our characters are made out of all sorts of things. So, so Morph here, which I'm in the middle of sculpting, <laughs> it, he's just made out of modelling clay that you can you can get in modelling shops or plasticine, as people might know it. Um, and he he is literally a lump of clay. He doesn't you can animate him without anything inside of him. And other characters like Wallace and Gromit or Shaun the Sheep have a skeleton inside, which we call an armature. And that armature in, in a, most of our puppets um, is um, quite a complex looking skeleton with ball and socket joints made out of stainless steel. But some, it's just aluminium wire that's twisted together in the shape of whatever you need it to be and the, the outside of the characters, which can be anything from real cloth to silicon or foam latex. It depends on the complexity of the characters. And no, no rules. It's, it's whatever looks best or whatever the vision of the director is um, or what's most practical. Or in some cases, if we haven't got much time, it's what's the quickest to make. So Robin Robin, for example, our new film, the characters are all made out of felted wool and they look wonderful. They, they're all kind of... And when you touch them to animate, the surface kind of bobbles and boils and that, that's all part of the look and it's, it's, it's lovely. So we don't have anything specific that we say we have to make our characters out of this. Wallace and Gromit, for example, they look like they're made out of clay. Gromit is skinned in plasticine, but he has a stainless steel ball and socket armature inside. Wallace is tanked up, for example. That's made of resin because it's got a pattern in it. Mm. You could make that out of clay, but every time you touched it, you'd squish it. So we, we make that out of resin 
and the resin is made from an, a clay sculpt which we then cast and then it looks like it's made of clay and painted and then quite often his trousers are made out of silicon or foam latex because when he's standing up in a scene you just don't see him in enough detail to need to know that it's clay and if it was in close-up then we do it in clay my man his face is made of modeling clay Gromit's nose is resin because we can get it looking nice and shiny and you can get the light to glint off it. Same for their eyes. Their eyes are made out of um, resin as well because so you get a nice shine on them and it makes their eyes kind of sparkle. That adds a lot of life to it, doesn't it? When yeah, it does. Yeah, you can get the same from buttons and things like that. Yeah. Characters. yeah. I like uh, we spoke to Jim Parkin um, oh, yeah. and he, he said that it's keep everything funny and with thumbs. That's that, right. Yeah, that's Thumb, thummy and funny. Yeah. Thummy and funny. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's got, so even that, as, as you say, even if it's resin, you, you add the thumb marks to it. To yeah, indeed. And, and now some of the more modern s silicones, mm. they're so, pick up so much detail that you can, you can actually have thumbprints in it, which, cool. you know, 10 years ago, we couldn't have done that. But yeah. that's a good example of material technology uh, advancing. Got another question in the comments. We got Wilfred again saying, I'm nearly 14. When you were my age, what were you doing that was relevant to your career and work since? Uh, very little. Uh, I was just saying to Jamie before we started that um, one the, the one thing that I did do was um, uh, pottery and ceramics. And uh, I did that at school. And it wasn't until I was actually studying animation later that I realized how valuable that was to um, to my animation, um, but no, before I became an animator, I wanted to be a pilot, and that was my dream. Uh, but I'm colorblind, so there was that. When I was about sixteen or seventeen, I went to have the medical, and they said, "No, sorry, you're not going to be a pilot because because uh, your eyes don't meet our standards." So then I had to recalibrate my my dreams, and. Um, I stumbled across animation completely by accident, actually, and it really uh, fired my imagination and I got myself into film school and the rest is history. Mm. I, I've seen on your Instagram that you have started doing piloting. Yes, so later in life, I was I, I can be a private pilot, mm. but just not a commercial pilot. So a, a few years ago, the stars aligned and I had, I had the wherewithal to actually... To, to gain my private pilot's license. So yes, I did I did achieve a flying goal from that respect, but instead of being paid for it, I have to work very hard to pay for, to pay for it myself. <laughs> is it everything you dreamed of, flying? It is, yeah, I absolutely love it, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I, I can imagine uh, quite an interesting animation coming, uh, animation idea coming. <laughs> well, there's, there's, <laughs> um, there's a very famous animator called uh, Mr. Miyazaki, who was oh, the, yes for the head of uh, Ghibli or Ghibli Studios, depending mm. on how you pronounce it. Yeah. His father was an aircraft designer. And so mm. a lot of his films have a lot of references to aircraft in mm. them or, and some very interesting airplanes in. And so I was always kind of... Yeah, I think it's the, the Wind Rises might have been based on his dad. I it think. was, yes. Uh, and, yes. And then there's big flight sequences, I think, in Poco Rosso as well. Mm. Yeah. yeah, oh, I love that one. That's one of my favourites. Yeah. And that's also a really good example of where animating on fours looks fine mm. after you get used to it, after about the first couple of minutes. It's not on yeah. single frames. It's not on double frames. It's on four frames at a time, wow. that movie. And at first, it looks very jolty. And after a while, yeah. you just, you're in the world, and it really doesn't matter. It, yeah, I didn't even 
take that into account on that one. Brilliant. Um, any, anything else on issue, Jamie? Are you making any new films? Oh, we are. We are. We have. Well, I mentioned it already. Robin, Robin. We've actually finished that. That's ready to go out. That will be with Netflix. Um, mm. We're making some more Sean the Sheep. And um, we have Morph is out there, Small Morph. Uh, we have a new series, a spin-off from Morph called The Very Small Creatures, which has just oh. gone into production. And quite a few things that are very exciting that I can't tell you about, I'm afraid. Can you say anything about uh, Chicken Run 2? Because I've heard yeah, about that's, that. Yeah, that's in production. Yeah, so, so Chicken Run 2. Yeah, sorry, I forgot that. That's a big one. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're just about to start filming that. So, um, uh, yes, so uh, it won't be anytime soon, but in about a yeah. year and a half or so, mm -hmm. it will be ready for the cinema. So, oh, fantastic. So, yeah. Looking forward to that one. Yes, so am I. I'm not, I'm not working on it myself. So it's oh, one nice. of those films where I'm, I'm just going to stand back and enjoy mm -hmm. it like everybody else when it comes out. Yeah. A lot of that kind of thing happens here because we, we all work together on different projects, but there's been some projects where I've not been a part of enough and I, I do the same step back and wait to see what comes out of it so yes satisfying. yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the same for me with with robin robin yeah i haven't mm. been a part of that one either um uh, so wilfred's asking if you're any animated character which one you would you be i'm guessing other than morph seeing as you are morph <laughs> well i suppose i suppose gromit really yeah. gromit is what yeah it's got a very soft spot for gromit and he's adventurous and inquisitive and and he's got a lot of good qualities to him as Gromit, and I, I'd, I'd, I'd aspire to be as, as like him if I could. Mm. I do like uh, Gromit as well, one of my favourite characters, just because as well, the acting, great, because he doesn't speak, he doesn't even yeah. make any noises or bark, so no. the acting just from mostly his eyebrows is there. And for that reason, he's the hardest out of all of our characters to animate. Yeah. <laughs> because what we aim for is that our audience always knows what he's thinking. Mm. And, and and animating a thought is the very hardest thing in the whole world because it doesn't really exist so we use all sorts of tricks like um, the context and by that I mean what we've told you as filmmakers mm. you know where he is what's he doing what does he know what does he do what doesn't he know uh, what is there any is there any you know thing he needs to know all of those things help you understand where he is and what he's thinking um, and his, it's essentially the decisions he makes helps you understand what he's thinking. Um, and animating that is really, really hard. It works really well, though. And um, it does, yeah. yeah, it's. Um, have you got anything else to ask there, Jamie, at the moment? Or? No. That's all right. If you think of anything, let me know. Um, I'll see if I've got any more on mine. Sorry. Um, so, uh, well, yeah, you sort of um, talked about this at the start. Uh, of the different roles that you have, but what, um, so as a creative director, uh, what are your main roles and responsibilities? Yeah, so, so as creative director, it means that I look after Wallace and Gromit in terms of everything that you might see in the outside world that's not necessarily a film because mm -hmm. wallace and gromit you know we have soft toys we have a whole merchandising range you might see lunch boxes or the normal kind of things that that enable a studio to make an income from their characters and with then we have lots of wonderful special projects i mentioned a couple like like a 50p coin so i got to design a i got to design a 50 pence coin and i don't necessarily do 
all of the projects, but I oversee them. So I might be working with a, another director or another creative and and they will check in with me just that Wallace and Gromit feel right. That they feel like Wallace and Gromit. Or they look like Wallace and Gromit. So mm. I'm a bit like the Wallace and Gromit uh, quality police, if you like, uh, making sure that everything we do from a creative point of view meets meets our expectations and meets our meets our audience's expectations as well our mm. fans we, there's a lot of a lot of people who will shout very loudly if we get you know if they think we've got something you know it hasn't been done right then um, our fans do let us know so would uh, you have any say i mean i know it's a different company but um would you have any say over things such as uh so i remember there was a simpsons episode that had that they had animation an animation festival so they had various different animators on there yeah. and they had an ardman like i don't know if they were ardman or that it was just an ardman like because nick park was uh there was an animated nick park that's right. the simpsons version of wallace and gromit is that the kind of thing that you could say yes yeah, so, so, so that was just before i joined the well it was done before i mm -hmm started the role i'm in so yeah. in that case that was nick's voice as nick and he yeah. gave them permission just to do their thing with his voice he also gave them permission to do their interpretation of wallace and gromit the person who animated it was called Teresa drilling and she had actually worked on wallace and gromit curse the were rabbit although she's she's an american and it was based in portland and it was i think it was animated in los angeles but really i think at that when you when you accept to do something with the symptoms simpsons you have to go it's just going to be bonkers. Just mm. do your thing. Other things which are clearly coming from us, we would be much more controlling over. Yeah. Uh, Wilfred's asking, what ambitions do you have? I, my ambitions is to. My ambition mainly is to stay creatively challenged. I, I I find that as soon as things are not challenging, I lose interest. And so, no matter what I'm doing, as long as I'm still creatively pushing myself then I'm in a good place. Too much just cruising is not, I, I, you know, it's fine. But there are, I mean, in terms of actual dreams of what I would like to do, um, working on on big projects is, is always amazing because you get to work with a lot of amazing people, whether it's making a roller coaster or a big film. There's something very special about lots of people all working together for the same goal. And especially when it's a creative endeavor as well. So uh, yeah, those are my main ambitions. Yeah. Then, as you mentioned, then working on big projects, uh, Gulp was uh, pretty big. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so, so um, that was directed by two um, commercials directors, Will and Ed mm -hmm. at Hardman. And at the time, um, their actual stop motion directing experience was fairly limited uh, they're, they're very experienced now but also just the scale of the project meant that they needed someone to just look after the animation side of it and mm. so they asked me if i would take care of pixelating the fisherman um, and the and the boat in the middle of gulp um, while another team looked after the sand animation and they would sort of have the whole overall picture directing uh, back inside it and it was it was a quite an extraordinary experience to be out there racing the tide the sea was coming in and we literally took our last frame and then the next you know the next time the waves went out came in they started washing the 
washing the, the beach where we had uh, where we'd been. So we had to figure out the amount of when the tide went out, mm. the clocks and, and left us with enough space on the beach. And this was a beach where you had to be able to get a huge crane down to put a camera up above it and all of that kind of stuff. Pendine Sands, I think it was. We, mm. we uh, Pendine Sands. So when as soon as the beach, the, the sea went out, you have, what, uh, 11 and a half or 12 hours until the, the sea comes back, or maybe it's a bit less. I, I don't know the exact figures. But the production manager said, okay, you've got this amount of time however many frames you need to do, we're going to divide that time by that number of frames. And that means if I say you've got three and a half minutes to do the frame, you've got three and a half minutes and that is it because otherwise we won't get it done. And so it was a really, everybody, we rehearsed it and um, it had to run like clockwork. And it was amazing. If we did get it done, it was, it was really good. We, we did, um, when I first started working here and that was about seven years ago or so, uh, one of my first projects that I tried to to do when we got the animation software was um, inspired by that. Initially, yeah. my thought was, how hard would it be to get a uh, crane uh, and yeah. <laughs> cherry picker and stuff? Um, it ended up being we had a like a painter's platform and quite a long arm on our camera uh, thing. And Wilfred, who's been asking questions, actually was one of the main ones that took part in that. And we went to a few different beaches. For a couple of hours and did a few sand sand animations, we called them. Yeah. <laughs> so we've got some of those on there, but yeah, that was inspired by Gulp. Well, you'll appreciate the challenges then, because it's yes. uh, <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, sand that, gets that, everywhere, doesn't it? It does. There's still, I think, there's still a couple of bits of kit that have a bit of sand somewhere. <laughs> um, but yeah, I've uh, I've learned a lot being here and and thinking back to it, thinking why did I think that was going to ever going <laughs> to <laughs> that kind of thing that. Don't know why I didn't take into account that you have like hundreds of people on the set of uh, Gulp, and I'm yeah, there like no, literally no. hundreds. Yeah, we'll just pop down to the beach, send down the road. It's fine. <laughs> I, yeah. I can't remember what's in the making ofs and how much they explained, mm. but the whole yeah. so the whole frame was I don't know a football pitch kind of kind of size. Yeah. yeah. And so to draw each frame, they kind of broke it down into a grid of squares, and a team of about six people were given a grid. And a piece of paper and they knew roughly what they had to draw in their grid and then so they would kind of come in scribble out whatever bits smooth down the bit they needed to do and animate the next bit and then and then get out so it was yeah just for the sand animation it was probably nearly 200 people wow um have you got any more questions uh, yeah oh yeah are you still making any present comic films again Wallace and Gromit are always busy. Um, we we haven't got anything to announce right now, but we always intend to make more. So there will be more in the future. Just can't say when. Uh, I remember a series that I used to like, which was the oh I forgot what it's called now. The series that they did about inventions and things. Oh yeah, World of Inventions. That's it. Yeah, well, that, yeah. That, I should have remembered that name. But that was that was fun. Uh, fun. I love that one. That was good, yeah. Uh, I that was that was my show. I uh, ah. so thanks for liking it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Uh, so we got uh, another question. Are there any things you don't enjoy about your work? Yes, sometimes the length of time it takes. You know, mm. it, it's it's part and parcel of doing animation, but it does actually, you know, in the, when you're in the middle. Of, so 
when you're working on something for about a year, the first three or four months, it's all very exciting. And then the middle stretch is the hardest part. And then the final stretch where the adrenaline starts going because you can see the finish line and you think, oh my goodness, we haven't got enough. Everybody thinks we haven't got enough time. We haven't got And then sort of, so it's that middle bit of a production is always really hard to stay focused and motivated. And, um, and I, I think in the winter, being in a darkened studio and going to work in the dark and going home in the dark and only having an hour of daylight, that can be quite challenging. Mm. Uh, but I think that's about it, really. Otherwise, yeah. it's pretty good fun. It's, it's not like having a real job. <laughs> that's what I keep getting told when I'm. Yeah, I get that about the length of time things take. I know that a lot of members of the animation club are not impatient, but they're learning patience. But I can still yeah. see that um, when you're trying to say to take more time on things, that 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 can have an effect of like, I just want to get it done. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're not alone. So what? What inspire? Uh, who inspires you? Whether it's inspired you to get into, uh, well, as as you got into the job, who inspired you, or if you've got any inspirations now? Or... Yeah, well, there was there was one person in particular who actually inspired me to follow the path of animation, and that was um, a man called Ray Fields. He was head of animation at Liverpool Universe, uh, University, uh, Liverpool School of Art and Design, I think it was. Um, and the reason he inspired me was because I gate crashed a lecture that a friend of mine. I was doing A levels, and my friend was doing foundation art. And I had no lectures that afternoon. And he said, oh, we've got this fella coming to talk to us about animation. Do you want to come along? And I just went, all right, I'll come along. Sounds interesting. And we did flick books. Very simple. But I just thought, wow, that's amazing. And that was literally the turning point for me. One of my main influences early on was Ray Harryhausen. Mm. Um, and in uh, 1997, I was lucky enough to work with Ray Harryhausen. Um, uh, we made a commercial. He was the animation director and I was the animator for Derry Lee Dunkers. Oh. And we shot it in the way that he made films in uh, the 1950s and 60s using a back projector, back projected live action, um, stop motion puppets, rewinding the camera, double exposing, no video assist, no surface gauge, just animating blind um, for a full on broadcast wow. television commercial. Did you have to do anything where you paint on glass, or was that? Yep, yep, yeah, yeah. We did, and we did. Um, matte, we did both matte paintings and black mats on a on a glass plane between the the stop motion stage and the camera to get our background mm. mats. Yeah, I bet that was fun as well. Though. It was very good, very nerve wracking. I was quite young and early in my animation career, and um, he was very generous with his knowledge and very supportive of uh, a young animator at the beginning of their career. Um, uh, uh, yeah, it was it was an amazing, amazing time. Have you had a chance to see the exhibition? I haven't. Um, my, one of my sons is at university in Edinburgh, um, and so when he goes back to university in um, September, I'm going to drive up, drive him up, and I'm going to try and catch the exhibition uh, then. Ah, good idea. <laughs> sure. Get, get out here. I'm, I'm going in there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm hoping I can catch. I think there's still a virtual there is a virtual, virtual, there's a virtual thing. and there's also a book that accompanies the um, um uh, i don't know if it accompanies the exhibition it's called his 
Centina is his daughter wrote it. I and uh, mm. I was honoured to be asked to contribute to it. It's uh, it's a, a sort of a centenary. It, it, mm. Had he been, you know, I think it's had he been alive, he would have been yeah. alive. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I've um, run out of my questions. I'll just remind anybody that's watching that you can feel free to ask some questions in the comments. Um, have you got any more questions at all that you think of yet? Yeah. No, that's all right. Um, have you got any questions for us? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, what are you guys working on at the moment? Uh, so at the moment, there's no. I'm trying to think of what we've got going on at the moment because it's all sort of we're all just getting back into the building. Of course. Um, but uh, next week we're going to be creating some shadow puppets with Small World Theatre, um, mm -hmm. and then we've got. Have you seen the film that Peter Peake made called Shadow Puppets? Oh, I'm not sure. I think it was Oscar nominated, and mm. it's a very funny little show made with actual puppets, uh, actual oh. shadow puppets. Oh no, it's not called Shadow Puppets. It's called Humdrum. Humdrum. Yeah. My time. By Peter Peake. Make a note of that. Um, another project we've uh, so we've recently been working on. There's a, a project in the area where they're they're um, uh, called the Imagine Project, and they're. Um, there's a couple of guys called the re they've called themselves the reality boffins and they do like virtual reality and AR and things. Mm -hmm. So like, something like you said about the Wallace and Gromit AR trail, it's it's a heritage trail for the area. And, oh yeah. Um, so people can go around and pick up points of interest, and we've been doing quite a few animations to go in into that. Fantastic. So that, get, that gets launched in August at some point, and then hopefully we'll do some more stuff for that in future. But yeah. Uh, and then, as I say, our third feature film, hopefully, will be animated, and that will wow. that will get us going with that as well. So it's it's really exciting. A lot of a lot of more animation projects coming our way because we yeah. do music and film. And then it's it's since I started that animation took off a bit, and then in the last year or so, because animation's been a bit easier to accomplish than filming, it's taken off even more. So that's. Uh, mm. What have, what have you been working on? What kind of thing? Because I know you've been singing. You've been doing yeah. singing and stuff. Have you been doing any animations? Uh, from college, I have. Yeah. Have you got any projects in in the pipeline? Any ideas for little animated pieces? Or? Not yet. No. So, sorry if I seem a bit... Often like, it's the hardest part. <laughs> sorry. Coming up with the ideas is often the hardest part, isn't it? It takes, takes the longest. Yeah. Oh, we've got another question. So uh, Wilfred's asking, what do you enjoy watching? I I, I try and watch as a, a, a big variety as possible. So um, I, I do I do like a lot of the old silent movies, actually. Mm. You know, you have Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin. Um, I really, I mean, they, they were masters of their of their time and there's a lot to be learnt from them. It's not, it's not all totally relevant, but a lot of it is, is brilliant. But in terms of right now, if I was, you know, if I'm going to the cinema, you know, I'm a sucker for a blockbuster. <laughs> I do like a blockbuster movie and, uh, and you can't go wrong with a wonderful Pixar movie. Um, mm. You know, Leica movies are, are, are beautiful. Um, I do, I do love a little bit of studio um, Ghibli, Ghibli, although their work more recently has been, um, a bit hit and miss in my opinion, mm. but you know it's 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 always gorgeous. And uh, so, from an animation point of view, yeah, I mean, also 
Wes Anderson, his his animated mm-hmm. movies are, are, are fantastic, as well as his live action movies, actually. Um, and um, I'm I'm lucky enough to be a, um, a voting member of BAFTA, so I, I get to see all of the films each year and uh, get to sort of vote on them, and 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 that gives me a really you know the variety is is huge. It's it's good to have a variety as well too incorporate into your work i suppose as well that's right and i think it's 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 very easy to sort of get focused on one thing but actually mm. a variety inspiration can, can come from anywhere and so just to be open to new and different things is i think is always a healthy thing create from a creative point of view well and in life in general mm. um i think we're coming to the end now almost ready to wrap up so uh, i i kept seeing like glimpses if you if you finish that more oh but. yeah no, so Morph is, he's he, how's he coming on i haven't given him any eyes or anything yet yeah. um but uh he so That's excellent i've got some clay here some some black and some white to, to make his eyes but i was just doing his hands there um i've given him a nose i've made plenty of miniature morphs and oh uh, do you have any advice for young people yes Keep enjoying it. Make mm. lots of mistakes, but learn from your mistakes. Making mistakes is fine, but just try and learn from them and don't make the same mistake twice. Um, but the, the, the biggest thing is try and enjoy it. And if you're not enjoying it, try and work out why and, and, and keep enjoying it. Um, for me, that's the most important thing. Mm. That's a, that is a good bit of advice there. Because, yeah, if it's something that you enjoy and you want to do, there's there's got to be a reason to if it stops. Yeah. It becomes yeah. fascinating. It's, it's not always going to be easy, but if yeah. you enjoy it, it makes those tough times a little a little um, easier to mm. to uh, to navigate. I find creative projects really rewarding, yeah. as well. So it's yeah, and and actually, you having a little bit of a challenge in there that, like I was saying earlier, is good. And yeah. and so sometimes the frustration comes from I don't know not being able to achieve it or not having the idea or not having the right equipment or you know whatever it might be, but. You can always find a way around that, mm. and uh, you know if you're if you're enjoying that challenge, even if it's a bit frustrating, actually in the moment, you know the reward is huge. Mm. Fantastic. I've, um, I'm trying to with the animation club and with what we're doing here as well is trying to, especially with over over lockdown, doing things online, trying to make it accessible for people. So trying to animate using what people might be able to access at home. So whether mm. it's free software. Yeah. Stuff that you can use on your phones or tablets because it's more likely people have got tablets. And, yes, and things. But then also we're starting to use recycled materials for our animations because right. yeah. a lot of it is stop motion here. Um, I don't know if it's out yet, but I think Ardman has just launched its own stop motion app that's free. Um, I don't know if it's out yet or if it's coming out, but just keep an eye on that because um, we're trying to encourage exactly what you're trying to do there, which is yeah which is trying to make animation as, as accessible as possible for those who are starting their journey or or, or quite even quite experienced but just want to do some in their own space. Fantastic. Um, so, uh, yeah, keep a, keep a lookout for that. I'm not entirely sure. What's it going to be called? I've got a test version of it on my phone here. Have you, all right, okay, no worries. Yeah, go for it. Ask yeah. me the question. Now Peter Salas is gone. Who's going to do the voice of Willis now? Ah, well, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we've got this very talented 
uh, actor called Ben Whitehead. And uh, I think the last project that Peter did for us before he um, got too poorly and, and then sadly passed away was Wallace and Gromit's World of Invention. That was the last mm. production that he worked on. Anything since then, which I think that was in 2011, has yeah. been voiced by Ben Whitehead. So the, I'm trying to think of time frame now. Would that include Loaf and Death? Was that? No, that was, that was Peter Salas. So that oh, was 2008. Okay. Loaf oh, and 2008, Death. that one. Yeah. Yeah. So any of the commercials, you know, we've done yeah. lots of commercials for DFS and jewels, yeah. uh, home furnishings, um, clothing, um, mm. uh, the, the proms film, um, mm. any of the augmented reality stuff that's out at the moment, the Blackpool Pleasure Beat Ride, all of those kind of things have, have uh, had been. Right. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up now, if that's okay. Have you, is that all your questions yeah. ready to go? Well, thank you. Thank you very much for giving us your time and very you know, very welcome and, and yeah, speak to us. It's fantastic. As as you got eyes now, by the way. I saw you. No, I, I, oh, I, no, no my hands are all. Oh, for those all... you know about clay. My hands are all terracotta coloured, and so I just need to go and clean my fingers, and then I'll put the then I'll get the white clay out and sculpt that. But yes, yeah, so thank you very much, and um, oh, yeah, uh, Wilfred says thank you as well. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of other people watching as well. Uh, but I'll, I'll go and click off the live chat now but yeah and take care and we'll see we'll keep an eye out for everything that's yeah do and yeah. uh and good luck with all of your future projects and animation keep it up thank you very much thank you for listening to this q a podcast we would like to thank merlin crossingham for speaking to us and the animation club for their hard work we hope that you enjoyed listening to this podcast goodbye